Hey, y'all, from NPR, it's been a minute. I'm Sam Sanders, and today we're talking Netflix, namely a movie I recently saw on Netflix. It's called Like Father. It was directed by Lauren Miller Rogan. I'm interviewing her in this episode. So this movie, Like Father, it is a checklist of things I like a lot. It stars Kristen Bell, the star of Frozen and The Good Place and a bunch of other good things. It also stars Kelsey Grammer, a.k.a. Frasier. They play this father and daughter duo who patch up a rough relationship with the help of another thing I like, karaoke. Uh, And this movie, most of it takes place on an actual cruise ship during an actual cruise. Today, I'm talking with Lauren Miller Rogan, who wrote and directed Like Father just for Netflix. We talk about what it's like to work with two stars like Kristen and Kelsey. We also talk about exactly how one makes a movie on a cruise ship during a cruise. And we get deep. Lauren tells me how this movie channels a bit of her family life, namely her mother's early onset Alzheimer's and how she's dealt with that. I think you'll like this chat as much as I liked the movie, as much as I like Frasier, as much as I like singing Let It Go in the spirit of Kristen Bell while in the shower. All right, here's me with Lauren Miller-Rogan, film director. She came to chat with me in our studios in Culver City. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Hi. Hey, so good to meet you. <laughs> you too. Your movie. It's funny. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Describe the film for folks who haven't seen it yet in 30 seconds. Um, it's called Like Father. It stars uh, Kristen Bell as Rachel Hamilton, who is a bit of a workaholic. Um, and she gets left at the altar of her wedding. And her father, played by Kelsey Grammer, has shown up um, for her wedding. Uh, they haven't seen each other in 26 years. And one thing leads to the next, and they end up on her honeymoon cruise. Yeah. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks, hilarity, a lot of emotion. Yeah. uh, And drama ensue. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much I want to talk about about the movie, but I think the biggest, not the biggest, but one of the biggest feats I think you accomplished was shooting the majority of this film on a cruise ship while an actual (laughs) cruise was going on? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Can you break that all down for me, please? (laughs) So... So the idea was pitched to me by Anders Bard, who's one of the producers of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I have never been, I had never been on a cruise ship. Ah. Um, and so I wrote the whole movie from the internet and also my in-laws, who are big cruisers. So these are Seth Rogen's parents? These are Seth's parents, yes. Okay. If, if You should follow Seth's mom on Twitter. She's, Into it. says hilarious and very inappropriate things <laughs> that are... Embarrassing, but really funny. Yeah. Um, How many people are on a boat like that? There are 5,000 passengers and then about three or 4,000 crew. So it's close to 9,000 people floating in a building in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) Like, it's so crazy. And we were supposed to get on the ship on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, And this is when Hurricane Irma hit last fall. So the ship couldn't come back that Hmm. Saturday because of the storm. Yeah. And so, and we couldn't stay in Miami because the hurricane was heading there. Yeah. And Netflix was like, you got to get everyone that we're responsible for out of there. Wow. And wow. Um, and so we went to Orlando for okay. six nights. And I, I hate to be insensitive because so many people's lives were completely yeah, yeah. destroyed during that storm. But we actually had an amazing bonding time. Oh. We stayed at a Disney hotel because oh. Princess Anna <laughs> yes. was in my movie. Kristen and Bell, yeah. helped us get a hotel there. That kind of sounds epic. So you're hanging out with Kristen Bell, the voice of yeah, Disney I mean, in Orlando during a hurricane. Yeah, and like, and, and they were amazing. all the time? 
She does sing a lot. Not not it. songs from Frozen. She okay. she's a big Broadway singer. So like our drive from Miami to Orlando, we literally we had like a big like rent and Stop. what else? Uh, Dear Evan Hansen. It was like a big like song fest. It was I love great. it. I love it. And Kelsey sings too, huh? Kelsey sings also. I love um, that. Oh no, he's a phenomenal <sighs> singer. Well, no, and they sing in the movie. Yeah, and they both really wanted. Um, it to be like a real like crooner song, something that like, you know, our, our show our voices and blah blah. And I was like, guys, Kristen and Kelsey are amazing singers. Rachel and Harry work in marketing. Yeah, the characters. Yeah, <laughs> like, so let's, it's got to be different. You can't. It's belt about it. being funny, not yes. about showing off your yes. amazing talents, which are incredible, <laughs> but not about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What song would you sing at a karaoke bar on a cruise ship? I, you know, truth be told, I'm not a big karaokeer. Um. But when I'm at karaoke, my my go-to is um, Meatloaf, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Okay. The duet. I hear you. Yeah, because it's funny and you can like act it out, yeah, which yeah, is much yeah. more fun to me. My go-to uh-huh. is Push It by Salt and Pepper. Because <laughs> it's literally eight <laughs> words and you uh-huh. just talk. Right. And do you dance? Do you like do your own? I try to get like eight or nine other folks up there with me. Oh. And we all just say push it over and over. And at that point, it doesn't matter what you're doing because you just got the crowd into it. It's the least amount of work required That's for so karaoke. Funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're making this movie on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. It's also your first time directing a movie. Mm-hmm. You asked for a lot of work with this. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> How challenging was just the whole thing seeing it was, you know, not just your first time directing, but also on a moving boat with yeah. thousands of people. Um, I mean, it was crazy, but at the same time, I was very ready and very like up for the challenge and like okay. ready to do it. I, I went to film school. I've directed a bunch of shorts, yeah. um, and you know, wrote the script, so it was very ingrained in my head and the vision for it. Um, and luckily, had an amazing cast and crew who knew what they were doing, who were really good at their jobs and worked really hard, but. You know, there were those there. There's a, a scene that takes place um, on the deck at night. Um, that's like a pretty emotional scene. Mm-hmm. And it was like so windy that we couldn't shoot. And we were only on the ship for one more night. And we were like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, and so <laughs> um, uh, they called the captain who is this guy, Captain Johnny, who's like Captain Johnny. He's, I mean, he's literally he's the captain of the largest ship in the ocean. He's the nicest, most fun guy ever. So he came down. This is like at like 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And we're like trying to get our scene. The wind is everywhere. You can't yeah. hear anything. We couldn't put the camera over the ledge of the ship, which we wanted to. Yeah. Um, and um, and he was like, oh, do you want me to stop the ship? And I was like, can you stop the ship? And he was like, oh, sure, we stopped the ship. And I was like, okay. And so he literally stopped the largest ship in the ocean. That's amazing. For how long? For two hours. Stop. But like we had to go faster after that. So like from like 4 a.m. to 7 a.m., we were like booking it. Um, Yeah. Your husband's in this movie. He is. You directed your husband. I did. Whose idea was it to have him in the movie? Um, it sort of happened somewhat organically. He was never going to be in the movie. And at one point we started talking about him playing Owen in the beginning. So um, she was going, so he was f- at first going to play the almost husband. The almost husband. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then about two months before we started shooting, um, we were in Canada and I had written Jeff as a guy from the Midwest who was just this, you know, sweet, sort of a little bit square guy yeah. from the Midwest who was... 
<clears throat> had not left left his hometown that often, and yeah. you know was just this sort of um, sweet guy. And um, and so we were in Canada, and when I'm there, I guess I make some Canadian jokes with love, and <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, what if Jeff is Canadian, and I make Canadian jokes instead of Midwestern jokes because yeah. I had written all that in there like that. Yeah. And um, and so. Seth's response when I said that was, I'm not going on the ship. And I was huh. like, no, no, no. And then, But then over the next few days, we like kept coming up with funny jokes mm-hmm. and like funny little tidbits that we could add to the Jeff character if he was Canadian. Yeah. And then it just got to the point where he was like, oh, man, it would be funny because he'd never quite played a Canadian that could like make jokes like that before and was like, okay, I'm in. And it just it. became like such a funny idea. Yeah. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Lauren tells me about how she learned to process the anger she has over her mother getting Alzheimer's disease. BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Comedy Central. Get your daily news fix by listening to The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. It's like The Daily Show, but for your ears. Studies show ears are great for listening. And who are we to deny science? Trevor Noah and the world's fakest news team tackle the biggest stories in news, politics, and pop culture. Subscribe to The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Available Tuesday through Friday mornings on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your ears on a podcast. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, and on the latest TED Radio Hour, how to talk about death candidly. Being able to accept that someday I will decompose, there is something comforting to me about that. You can find the TED Radio Hour wherever you listen to podcasts. I think a lot of people reading about you in this movie would maybe think that there are some parallels between your life mm-hmm. and Kristen Bell's character. Oh, yeah. This is a character <laughs> who works too hard to the point that her would-be husband leaves her at the altar, uh, and then she's forced to patch up family relationships that in part have been neglected because she works too hard. Mm-hmm. How much of that is you and how much of that is not you? And did you even think of yourself at all in that character? The answer is yes and no. Okay. Um, I was not left to the altar. My dad, fortunately, is amazing and has been in my life my whole life. Good to hear. My mom has Alzheimer's disease. And Mm. when I was writing this movie, which I started writing six years ago, she was just becoming more advanced in her disease. She was diagnosed 12 years ago. How old was Um, she when she was diagnosed? She was 55 when she was diagnosed. Um, And so... um, you know, so, and, and then you were at that point, how old? I was 25 when she was diagnosed, wow. which, you know, is by far not the youngest that this has affected a family, yeah. um, but was younger than I certainly thought mm-hmm. we would be affected by it mm-hmm. and um, and spent a long time just feeling real dark and angry and sad and just couldn't see the other side. Yeah. And the disease went to the next level around when I was starting to write this, hmm. which really sent me even further yeah. <laughs> down into my darkness. However, mm-hmm. it was also around the same time we started doing Hilarity for Charity. Which is a charity for Alzheimer's disease. Which is our charity for Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. Um, and just in general, partly because of the industry I work in, partly because my husband is fortunately a successful person, that I have friends who are successful. Um, I live a wild life sometimes and I mm-hmm. go to crazy events that I had always dreamt of going to and I travel to crazy places and I have these like crazy like highs that I never thought I would have. Yeah. At the same time, I was having these lows that I did not think I would be facing at that time in my life that were extremely painful. And I felt so powerless and was just real angry. And I think that what happened was I ended up creating this character who, in the course of this story, 
has these really high highs. Yeah. And these really low lows. And anger. And anger. A lot of anger where she has to sort of face the that has been presented in front of her and get to the other side. And I didn't even really realize this until we were kind of editing the movie. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I did it. This is this movie. The tone of this movie is my life. Yeah. When were you angriest? Was there a moment, a day when you were like, damn it? No, unfortunately, no, because there were many moments. I My anger always really came out in the car. Explain. At horrific road rage. Okay. Um, I would yell at people. I just thought if someone ran a stop sign, it meant the whole world was going to <laughs> And, I mean, I had horrific back knee. Um, back the stri- acne. Back acne. Literally the How size horrific. of like silver dollars. Good like, because I was so stressed out. Oh, I man. hardly slept every night. Oh, man. Um, but luckily, I, you know, pushed to the other side of that and I found a balance that I didn't yeah. think was possible then. Yeah. It must be a hard kind of anger to deal with because who were you angry at? You're not angry at your mother. Right. You're, there's no one that did this to her. Right. Right. Like, where do you even. Focus your anger. The world. Uh. Like the world and everyone in it. Yeah. And anyone who's happy and and anyone who just thinks that everything is all peachy keen yeah. and living their life and don't care about other people and you know what I mean? Which is so narcissistic and now I see the no, fault in that. I but get it's it. that's what I mean. I you know what I mean? It. It's just like Everyone. Every, every, none of them get it. My parents mm-hmm. were sick at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. And there was one Thanksgiving where they both were in the same hospital on different floors of the oh, same God. hospital. Oh, my God. It's, it's just so the worst. Sorry. And, like, you're not just mad at the situation. Mm-hmm. You're mad because no one else knows how it feels. Mm-hmm. Or in mm-hmm. your mind, mm-hmm. no one else can know. Right. Right. No one else sees it. Yeah. No one else gets how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And you see, and like, when you see people smiling mm-hmm. or running the stop sign, mm-hmm. you just want to stop them and shake them and say, do you get what I'm going through? Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. you see this? Yeah, yeah. And and I just, I was very like existential. You know hmm. what I mean? What's the point of all this? If this is what happens, what's yeah. the point? Why are we doing this? Your mother, I'm guessing, was a great, good person and still happened Amazing. to her. What was she like before the disease? Uh, she was a teacher for 35 years. What did she teach? Um, she um, got her master's in the 70s in teaching, which was pretty, you know, yeah. trailblazing at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so the first part of her career, I want to say for 15, 16 years, 18 years maybe, she taught special ed, okay. elementary special ed. So um, she had a big heart. Uh-huh. And then she and then she moved to first grade, okay. which is potentially one of the hardest grades yeah. to teach because you teach kids heart. to read. Yeah. And, and and more than that, she, she was like a very active parent. So not only mm. did she work full time, but she like, you know, was always at our events and she was like a class mom. And yeah. like she was on our PTA and my synagogue board and, you know, all the all the things that you could do to be an active parent and Did friend. you enjoy her she, level of active parentness? Oh, totally. I loved okay. when she was around. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 What do you miss most? About her before the disease? Everything. Yeah. Um, I miss sharing my life with her. I mm. miss, you know, the things that, you know, I miss that she wasn't able to sit next to me at the premiere of this movie yeah. and that she doesn't know what's happening. And I miss that she's not getting to see the payoff of her hard work from both me and my brother and who we've become. Yeah. And, you know, and I... I hate that she'll miss anything that is to come. And I hate that her and my dad, who had amazing plans for their retirement, mm. never got to experience that. Yeah. It seems like you have, if not gotten over the anger you might have felt about all of this, you've 
gotten better maybe at processing that anger? Yes. What did you do? How did you get? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy just gave me a perspective that I couldn't have before, feeling like I was the saddest, angriest girl in the world, and now I'm not. I'm one of many sad and angry people. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm fortunate that doing Hilarity for Charity showed me how I was so not alone. Because a lot of folks are dealing with this stuff. Oh, I am so far from alone. It is an epidemic in this country. It is outrageous the amount of people who are dealing with this disease, who are alone, who don't have help, who aren't fortunate in their situation like we are to even be able to afford care. Or afford a therapist to talk about it. Or afford a therapist to talk about it. But it's been an amazing thing. I've been fortunate to do that work, which has given me the perspective Mm -hmm. and also like allowed me to take action over something that I couldn't take action over with my mom Mm -hmm. and that I've helped other people. And we have a program where we give away free at-home care to people who can't afford it. We've given away close to 250,000 hours of free free care to people who can't afford it. And like, that's an amazing thing that makes me feel like I'm doing something in the face of this terrible thing. Yeah. What song would you karaoke with your mom on the cruise ship? Um, well, I'll just say this because my mom really always wanted to make me and my brother really happy. Yeah. And so I'm a big Barbara Streisand fan. Love it. And so I think that, um, if I was like, let's do like, don't rain on my parade. I was going to just say, favorites. don't rain on my parade. Is, oh my I walked down the aisle to that song. It is like, Wait, the, you it's stop, the stop, anthem stop, stop, stop. of my life. You walked down the aisle to Barbara Streisand's yes. don't rain on my and parade. And so I think my mom would be like, let's give it a, let's I give it a go. It. One more quick break. When we come back, how Lauren left the future in fashion design to direct movies. BRB. Planet Money tip number 17. Sometimes life is exactly like the movies. T minus 30 seconds. They said T minus. They said T minus. Planet Money, a podcast about the economy and sometimes about rocket ships. I want you to tell me more about where you came from. Uh, from Florida, but not always from Florida? No, I was born on Long Island. Yeah. Um, and we moved to Florida when I was eight. Yeah. So I was in the, like, um, the real, like, as I say, cows football Jesus kind of town. Okay. Um, honestly, there was a level of being the new Jewish girl in town, mm. which, because there were not many. My mom always talked about how she got like a pamphlet from the Chamber of Commerce that was like churches 300, Jewish churches one. Really? And like that's the example I can Did give. Did y'all go to the one church? We it it was a temple, a synagogue, I'm but sorry. yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> and, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. But the truth is like I don't want to paint it as a bad place. It was honestly an amazing place to grow up because my dad always talks about we we where we lived on Long Island like he doesn't know like what we were so close to New York. Like, who knows? Would I have grown up too fast? Like, And then on top of that, I was a really artsy kid. Yeah. And this town, this small town, mm-hmm. had not only like a, a middle school for the arts, like a magnet school oh, wow. for the arts, but had a tremendous high school for the arts. That's awesome. Like the kind of like, you know, you audition again. It's like a fame kind of high school. When did you know you wanted to do film? So it's funny. So I my sort of like history with all that was like when I was younger, I did like as a, you know, as a kid, like little plays at camp yeah. and whatever yeah. Um, yeah. and like wanted to be an actor and was like, I'm an actress. And um, and then my mom was like, there's <laughs> there's no future in acting. Be a fashion designer. Because there's a future in that. <laughs> Which is a crazy. I wish that I like these are one mom. of the things I would ask her. Yeah. Like, what was the logic there? <laughs> but whatever. So she was like, do you art? And I honestly loved both. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll do the art program. Cool. Yeah. And um, uh-huh. I went to FIT. 
yeah. um, in New York and studied fashion design and have okay. an associate's degree from there. Oh, wow. Um, not feeling super fulfilled or satisfied okay. with fashion. Okay. Feeling a lot of stress and anxiety and just saw a flyer to be an extra in a movie. In New York. In New York. Okay. Um, and went to the audition because you had to audition to be an extra in this movie. Yeah. I was a... <laughs> It was a reshoot for Samuel L. Jackson's Shaft. Wow. Are and you in so, Shaft? My torso is in Shaft. Yeah, it um, is. And so, <laughs> but like literally, like I was like 18, had moved to New York like six weeks ago. Wow. Like, and again, it's not like I'm in it or anything, but being on the set, I was like, oh, this. Like, What this about is, it? I, I was just so, I was just so fascinated by it. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. And so then I was like, I'm going to stay in New York and be an actor. Okay. And my parents were like, no. You and everybody else. <laughs> they were like, no, you're not. It's a nice yeah. idea. Yeah. And my dad was like, what if you went to film school? You huh. thought being on that set was cool. You've always been a writer. You write short stories. And I literally was like, well, I can't go to film school. That's for cool people. I'll never get in. Mm. And then got in a lot of places, could afford Florida State. Okay. Um, Went there kicking and screaming because I Why? was like, I don't want to go to Florida State where everyone from my hometown is. Mm. Um, and was then it a good program? An amazing program. Mm. We have some pretty amazing alumni who've done great things. and Like I you. Mean, <laughs> I, I'm one of the alumni. Um, but no, I mean, in my class, uh, Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight. Wait, stop. And and James Laxon, who was also in my class, who shot that movie. And Joy McMillan, who edited that movie, is in my class. One you of my know best friends. Yeah, Wes Ball, who directed Maze Runner, was a class above mine. No, it's an amazing program. So I literally, I showed up, and I'm not joking, within 10 minutes, was like, oh, here I am. These are my people. This is it. This is it. This is it. From literally the first day I came home and was like, I'm a crazy person. This is where I'm meant to be. That's got to be a good feeling. Like, and it really was. Like, I literally remember thinking, like, these people, like, they feel like me. And, yeah. like, like we're speaking the same language. And, like, I feel like we want to do the same yeah. things. And, like, it just was amazing and just an incredible time. Yeah. This is an interesting time to be a woman in the industry. Yeah. I say, well, more than interesting, maybe tumultuous. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Yes. But like how you you were working in this industry before Me Too, mm -hmm. and now you're working in it through Me Too. Mm -hmm. Besides changing the way that we think about how women should be treated in the industry, it's also been, at least for me, like a time to look back on the way that women have been portrayed in things like film over the years. Mm -hmm. And you say to yourself, especially in this moment of being critical about the role of women in the industry is mm -hmm. like, does some of this stuff hold up? Mm -hmm. When you look back on some of the movies and TV from yeah. 10, five years ago even, right. you can say, oh man, I'm not sure that would work now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are there any projects that you've been involved in where you look at them now in this year of Me Too and mm -hmm. say... Mm, I wouldn't do that again. Um, it's a good question. I don't think, I don't think I've worked enough to be able to have that kind of regret. <laughs> I don't think I've had enough out there that I've had that kind of regret. I mean, I'll say this: this the script that we were, that I sold first. Yeah. That starred dudes. Yeah. I mean, I you know think I started writing that in two thousand and it was either two thousand seven or two thousand eight. Yeah. So the language that they use huh. included some words that are not okay to say today. Say it and we'll bleep it. Uh, it's uh, it's the F word in relating to gay people. Oh. Uh, was a word that was in there. Yeah. 
And he wrote like, that. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? And like, that's not now. That's not okay. Yeah. It probably wasn't okay back then, but we had a different connotation. It was a different time. It was yeah. a different time. And yeah. like, you know, even my husband, like he talks about some of the dialogue that's been in some of his past movies. And it's like, oh, you can't say that now. Yeah. And like, you know, and let's like, just like those things. But we just didn't. We didn't have an awareness yeah. then, and that's why you have to yeah. learn from things. And, yeah. and the thing is that, like, not to get too topical, but I think that a lot of people made jokes in their past that they shouldn't have made and have learned from them and have moved on and shouldn't be penalized for them or punished from them or taken away from directing amazing franchises for making bad jokes. I know what you're saying there. Yeah. I'm going to let you go soon, but I want to, I, like, want to make you sing Don't Rain on My Parade. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> such a good song. Tell me not, not to live, live just, just sit in butter. butter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Thank you so Thank much. You so this much. is a pleasure. This was so nice. Oh, it's a great song. It's such a great song. Thank you so much to Lauren Miller Rogan. Next time I see you, we're doing karaoke. Lauren's movie is called Like Father. It's on Netflix now. Go check it out. Also, another note, listeners, uh, we're going to have a special Tuesday episode coming to your feed next month. It's all about National Coming Out Day, the history of that day, the future of that day, and a few stories of coming out from you. Listeners, want to hear from you. Tell me your story about what coming out was like for you. Email me at samsanders at npr.org. We might call you and talk it out, and it might be in this podcast and maybe on the radio, too. Hit me up. All right, that's a wrap. We're back in your feeds Friday with a weekly wrap-up of the news. Until next time, thanks for listening. Talk soon.